0: And thank you to all the musicians for what you do in our church for the the songs that you pick, who sometimes just sort of take it for granted, but they think about it. They help us prepare for worship and, and we do appreciate that. So thank you guys. At the end of February, an article in the Times went viral, causing much discussion and debates. This is the title of the article. My husband used to be hot. If I met him now, would I still fancy him? Uh, The author, Molly Gum, originally posted the article on her blog, The Selfish Mother, a good name for a a blog, writing about the challenges of growing older together uh, when, as a couple, when both individuals change over time. And the reason the article caused so much debate online is because Western culture's view of marriage is changing rapidly. What is the point? marriage. Kerry Sackville, a columnist for the Sydney Morning Herald, I'm sure you read it every week, uh, wrote an article in response and this is the title of this article. Marriage isn't easy but it shouldn't be this hard and I want you to listen to these words, they're on the screen from the article. I am suggesting that no one should have to endure 10 years of disliking their partner or to live with another person when they would prefer to be alone Why should they? We don't live in the 19th century. We no longer need to marry for property or for status or to raise children. What is the point of marriage in our modern world other than to bring us comfort and joy? Sackville argues that in today's Western society, the main reason for marriage is about us. It's about our comfort, our joy, our pleasure. It's not so that you can buy a house, It's not because you're expected to in society and it's not so that you can have children marriage primarily exists to make me happy and she goes on and this isn't on the screen we should be normalizing the right to be happy in our relationships and the right to walk away when one or both of the partners are miserable or unfulfilled marriage is about your individual happiness and so if your marriage isn't bringing you joy you should be under no obligation to remain in it. Is that true? I think we all know that it is not true. I think we all know that it is a lie, at least in theory, because I think sometimes in practice, we do treat our marriages as if the main point of them is to bring us pleasure and joy. Peter, in his letter, First Peter, his teaching on marriage couldn't be more different to what our culture teaches us today. This evening, I want us to see that the real point of marriage is to bring glory to God. So as I said, we've been studying 1 Peter for some months now, um, but here's a quick recap on where we're at in case you've forgotten where we got to, uh, or maybe this is the first sermon in the series you've heard. So Peter, the the well-known disciple and apostle, is writing to early Christians that have been dispersed across the lands. They're not facing state-sponsored persecution like you would in North Korea, say, But there is increasing hostility, maybe similar to what we're facing or or a bit worse. And so Peter writes to them to encourage them of their salvation, to remind them of the inheritance that lies before them and to prepare them for how to live in the midst of suffering. In the previous passage to this, Peter told the believers to be subject for the Lord's sake To every human institution that's the the ruling governors or the emperor for us we're thinking our government and then he writes for slaves to be subject to your masters with all respect why why did peter write these words well christians are called to obey people that are in positions of authority for it's god that placed them there these would have been difficult commands for their readers who may well have been suffering at the hands of the authorities And yet we're told to follow the example of Jesus Christ who suffered at the hands of the authorities and yet he went silent and was killed on the cross for our sake. He is our example and so we should expect to face suffering too. Peter tells the believers they will suffer when they live for him just as their master suffered and yet we're to continue to live holy lives. Why? Peter commands Christians in Verse 12 of chapter 2, and this is a really important verse, not just for tonight, but for the whole uh, of 1 Peter. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the key message of tonight's sermon. This is the one thing that you want to take home with you if you're taking notes. What is the point of marriage? Holy conduct in marriage brings glory to God. Holy conduct in marriage brings glory to God. And we can observe this in four ways from the passage. So firstly, submissive wives lead unbelieving husbands to Christ, we see this in the first couple of verses. Peter begins this section with the word likewise likewise wives be subject to your own husbands and this word likewise lets the reader know that there's a similarity in what Peter's talking about now to what came before. Peter's just instructed believers to be subject to the governing authorities and also as slaves to their masters and the similarity here is that Peter is speaking to another group that are under authority, wives under the authority of husbands. Now that's where the similarity ends because the difference here is the relationship between the authority and the one that's subject to it so what i'm saying right now tonight is husbands you're not the emperor you're not the slave master and wives you're not slaves but you are under authority and that's what we're going to discuss we should see here as well that peter is telling wives to be subject to their own husbands, their own husbands. This passage isn't about a general principle that all women should be submissive or subject to all men because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches male leadership over females in two areas and two areas alone, the home and the church. Wives are to submit to their husbands and women are submit to male elders in the church. We read this in Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 2, 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. We also read it in Paul's letter to Titus, where one requirement for eldership is to be a husband of one wife. But male leadership over females does not extend to all areas of life. Young men, teenagers, a couple of them in the back row tonight, you're still subject to your mother and she's a female. Uh, Adult students like Chris or me and Matthew in the Evening College, there are female tutors, there are female lecturers in the college, and we're under their authority. They are our teachers. We listen to them, we submit to their teaching in that context. I am also subject to two female bosses in work. This is not what it's about tonight. We're not talking about men being more important than women. We're not talking about women having to listen to all men. We're talking about wives submitting to their husbands. I wonder as a woman tonight, not me as a woman, but you as women, do you bristle at the thought of being subject to a man? Or to use the word that Paul later, or Peter later uses in verse six, how do you feel about submitting to your husband? I think submission has negative connotations in our society. I knew Christian women who removed the word submit from their voice, didn't like the way it sounds. I wonder what submission means to you. It makes me think of martial arts, like an opponent submitting um, the other competitor to his will. And, And listen to what the Oxford Dictionary defines submission as. It's the act of accepting that somebody has defeated you and you must obey them sounds aggressive sounds humiliating i wouldn't want to submit if that's what submission meant but maybe it was just something that peter was teaching maybe this is just one part of the bible and maybe we shouldn't really listen to what peter was saying about submission well we read the same other places in the new testament ephesians 5:22 wives submit to your husbands as to the lord Colossians 3.18, wives submit to your husbands This is fitting in the Lord. Titus 2.5, women should be submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. So it's clearly not just Peter's teaching, but maybe it's just New Testament teaching. Maybe it's just something for that culture. After all, these letters were written a couple of thousand years ago. Surely wives today don't have to submit. We're in 2023. Well, in that passage, in Ephesians 5, Paul explains, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. And then later in that passage in verse 31, Paul grounds that relationship in God's original creation design. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Wives should submit to their husbands, because that's how God first designed male and female. We see this again in 1 Timothy 2, where Paul's explaining why only men should be elders. So This isn't about submission to your husband, this is about submission to a male elder. But the reason is, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Male leadership over females in the Bible is not grounded on the culture. It is grounded on god's creation design it is how it is meant to be that journalist um, said that women don't need marriage anymore for societal privileges they don't need um, a man so that they can own property but god's word teaches that marriage wasn't established because of cultural norms marriage was established in god's design for humanity and i want you to listen tonight husbands and wives submission is not a matter of the wife's intellect her ability or her value wives are called to submit to their husbands because that's how god designed us but what is the purpose of this passage of their submission well peter writes submit to your own husbands so they may be one the implication here is peter's writing primarily to wives whose husbands were not believers and this means these women were more likely to be suffering because their husbands didn't follow Jesus. And so there may have been tension as as wives were expected to follow the household God that the husband worshiped. But Peter's words here could just as easily apply to a wife whose husband had grown cold in the faith or just a wife whose husband is a Christian but is disobedient. The ultimate goal of submitting in marriage is to win your husband for Christ and that is a weighty responsibility and so I'll say right now you are not responsible for your husband's salvation and if there are husbands tonight whose wives are unbeliever you are not responsible for their salvation either each individual must put their trust in Christ each person is responsible for their own spiritual growth you're not to blame if you can take every resp- every opportunity that god gives you you can pray for your husband every single day and he still may not turn to christ that is not on you but why would this verse be in here if there is not hope that as a spouse you can play some part in bringing them to christ and that's a real encouragement that god would choose to use us this way so wives tonight submit to your husbands so that you can win them to christ what a privilege how can a submissive wife lead her husband to Christ then? Well, Peter says, without a word, by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Without a word. Does that mean that someone can be saved without hearing the gospel? All they need is to see your good conduct and they'll you know, magically just become to Jesus and ask him to forgive them? Well, we know that's not true because in Romans 10, verse 14, we read these words. How then? Will they call on him in who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? No, you can't be saved without hearing the gospel. But rather what Peter's getting at here is the image of a wife who nags and nags and nags, and is constantly preaching to her husband, you need to be saved, you need to be saved, you need to be saved. Is that gonna win them for Christ? Well, we knew the natural inclination of the heart would be to resist that. Rather, what we have here is a wife who, in her submission, in her respectful and pure conduct, makes her husband think, what's going on here? What's different? What is different about her? Why is she acting like this? And then a natural opportunity will come up. And there is wisdom needed to know when to preach the gospel to them, when to share it in words. And yet Peter says, by your conduct, that's the emphasis, by your conduct, you can bring your husband to Christ. Holy conduct in marriage brings glory to Christ, brings glory to God when people are saved. You'll be pleased to know our first point this evening is our longest. But before we move on, let me give you some practical application on what a wife's submission to her husband should look like. Peter says husbands will notice their wives' respectful and pure conduct. So what is respectful conduct? What does that look like? Well, wives, you're to speak well of your husbands. You're to respond positively to their leadership. You're to honour them both publicly and privately. And this may be difficult, especially if your husband makes it hard to respect him. And I think as husbands tonight, we can all agree that sometimes we do make it hard for our wives to submit. For Peter's original audience, this would have been expected that women should submit to their husbands, but I think today that's not the case anymore, is it? Uh, when we watch mainstream media or listen to music, men or husbands are often the butt of the joke, aren't they? The, the men are the foolish ones. They're controlled by their sexual desires. They're, they're silly. They're under the leadership of the superior female who is smarter, she knows what it's all about, and the man is just a laughing stock. And what I would say to you today, wives, is don't join in that thinking. It's tempting in the office. it be tempting over the garden fence to have that joke about your husband, to mock them. Oh, he never does anything right. Oh, he's at it again. Don't do that. Respect your husband. Submit to him. What about pure conduct what does that mean well i think it suggests sexual purity doesn't it in in first corinthians 7 paul says that your body belongs to your spouse that's not just wives husbands your body belongs to your wife as well but it also applies to your heart so wives don't be flirting with other men whether it's in church after the morning service whether it's in the office whether it's at the supermarket don't don't be flirting with other men don't indulge In fantasies whether it's through romantic literature or rom-coms don't daydream about the husband that you wish you had rather than the one that God has given you rather let your conduct be holy let it be pure because holy conduct in marriage brings glory to God moving on then to our second point Peter moves on from telling wives how to behave to how they should dress Next, we want to see that modest wives value the lasting beauty of the spirit. This is what Peter says. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. I think this initially sounds like quite a strange and misogynistic command from Peter. In fact, in light of the culture that we're in, that focuses so intently on women's rights, the culture that just celebrated International Women's Day on Wednesday, I believe it was. This verse could be used by unbelievers to paint Christians as old fashioned bigots. Why on earth should a man be telling a woman how to dress? And so we need to read and understand the whole passage here. And that's, that's a warning for us in general, always beware. Of taking a verse out of context whether it's you that's doing it or somebody challenging you with a verse out of context don't let your adorning be external he says in verse 3 so what what does adorning mean well what it means is it's the practice of making something more beautiful or attractive so what we've got here is Peter telling the wives uh, not to make themselves beautiful by taking care of their appearance or does he Well, taken literally, what Peter says is that women shouldn't wear clothes at all. And I think we can all agree that that's not what Peter was saying. The point here isn't that women cannot style their hair, cannot wear jewelry or nice clothes or makeup or fake tan or nails or whatever it may be. That's not the point, but it's not what they should prioritize to make themselves beautiful. This passage is actually remarkably similar to Paul's teaching in 1 Timothy, uh, chapter two, verses nine and 10. But what's important here is that passage isn't just for wives, it's for women in general. So if you have have been listening tonight and you're not married and you're thinking, this isn't relevant to me, listen up here. Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold and pearls and costly attire but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Paul says women should adorn themselves, make themselves beautiful with respectable apparel to dress modestly. He says that they can make themselves beautiful with respectable apparel. So the point here is women that you're not, it's not that you're not allowed to make yourself beautiful. It's not that you're not allowed to have physical beauty. We see physical beauty praised elsewhere in the Bible. For instance, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter one, verse 10, where this is what the groom says of his bride, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. It's not about physical beauty, it's about what you prioritize in making yourself beautiful. So how should a woman go about making herself beautiful then? Well, Peter writes in verse four, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Peter explains that female believers should value spiritual beauty over physical beauty. And why is that? Well, I see two reasons here. Firstly, physical beauty is temporary, but spiritual beauty is imperishable. That word imperishable, used to describe a woman's spirit, is the same word that Peter uses in chapter 1 to describe eternal life. That's Chapter 1, verse 4 An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. See, as you get older, wrinkles appear, hair goes gray, other stuff happens. But the woman that loves God remains beautiful. She remains spiritually beautiful because your spiritual beauty does not fade. Secondly, spiritual beauty should be prioritized because that's what's precious in God's sight. This is not about what men think. It's not Peter and Paul giving these commands because they wanted to control women by saying, your skirt needs to be this length, you're not allowed to wear that much makeup, that's too much jewelry. That's not what it's about. This is about pursuing what God finds attractive over what the world finds attractive. Because prioritizing physical beauty gives the glory to you, but prioritizing spiritual beauty gives the glory to God. So what, what type of spirit is beautiful to God? What, what type of spirit is precious to God? First word tells us it's a gentle and quiet spirit. I wonder women tonight, are you underwhelmed by that? Or a bit confused? What if you're a, a woman that has an extroverted personality? What if you're a, a bubbly, loud, you know, infectious personality? Or what if you're like a, a leader in your workplace? gentle and quiet doesn't sound great, does it? Does that mean that women need to be silent, that they need to be timid, they need to be withdrawn, you know, there to look at just, not to hear? Well, Peter later describes holy women as fearless. So that clearly doesn't fit. You see, gentleness and quietness are not negative um, qualities because Jesus was gentle, wasn't he? The Lord Jesus was gentle. And all of us, men and women, are told in James to be slow to speak and quick to listen. We can also read these words as humble, as meek. This doesn't mean that you can't have that bubbly personality. God created you the way you are for a reason. We're not trying to create robots out of the women. What it means is that if you're a wife, you'll submit to your husband's leadership quietly and willingly you won't be abrasive you won't be argumentative why because you know that that's what god designed marriage to be like he designed the role of the wife and you want to be beautiful in his sight not in anybody else's sight you dress modestly and that's not plainly modestly because you want to be beautiful in god's appearance in god's sight not in the world's The way that you dress and the way that you conduct yourself as a woman brings glory to god holy conduct brings glory to god and i want to make it clear here that modesty does not mean plain or ugly physical beauty is treasured in the bible women can and should make themselves physically attractive and that's not sinful men Tonight, you shouldn't seek to control your wives, telling them what they can and cannot wear, how to do their hair, how much makeup to wear. Husbands, we're gonna come to you later on, don't worry. But women, please beware of dressing in a sexually provocative way. There is a temptation for women to dress in a certain way because it feels like their only weapon in the fight for power against men. Men are stronger. Men have cultural power. Men are accepted as leaders. Sometimes a woman's beauty is the only thing she can use to control a man. Don't do it. Dressing for the admiration of men shows the priority of your heart. As we read in First Samuel sixteen seven, Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Treasure what God treasures. Adorn yourself with godliness and a gentle and respectful spirit because that brings glory to God. And I will say as well that this is an issue for men too. So don't switch off and think that it's only women that care about physical appearances. Men, the polished shoes you wear, the nice suits, the well-combed hair. And I think there's an increasing pressure for young guys to have gym bodies, to have that sharp fade, to look attractive. There's so many things we can use, men and women, to make ourselves attractive aftershave, well-groomed beards, muscles, fake tan, nails, eyebrows. None of those things are necessarily wrong or forbidden. But we should care much more about our spiritual beauty and about living in a way that's attractive to God. Holy conduct in marriage and outside marriage brings glory to God. Move on to our third point. Next, we see that holy wives hope in their true husband. Christ. Peter has commanded Christian wives on how to behave, and now he gives them an example to follow. He tells his readers, this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. He repeats that women are most beautiful when they submit to their husbands because they're obeying God. Holy, obedient conduct brings glory to God. This is how the holy women of the past were made beautiful, and it's how the holy women of today will be made beautiful. Peter then gives one particular example of such a holy woman and that's Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Peter tells us that Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Verse six, and this appears to be a reference to Genesis eighteen twelve. Um, you should know this. We did a series on Abraham recently where the Lord appears to Abraham and promised him that he would have a son within the year. Sarah's eavesdropping at the, the door to the tent or the front of the tent, whatever you would call it, and laughs to herself at the thought of that promise. And this is what she says, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? It's likely that Peter's point here isn't the context of that specific episode, but rather this is what Sarah referred to Abraham as, her Lord. It was a sign of respect. It was the title that she gave to him. Now I am not commanding husbands to go home after church tonight and say to your wife, you are now to call me Lord. I did not say that. And if you say that, it is on your own head, be it. But wives can learn from the example of Sarah who showed respect to her husband. You see, Peter tells wives that they are Sarah's children if they do what is good, the emphasis again on their conduct. We read in Galatians and Romans that we are Abraham's spiritual children if we follow his example of faith. Here, wives are told that they are the children of Sarah if they submit to and obey their husbands, if they do what is good and do not fear anything, which is frightening. I wonder what might be frightening for a wife. What might a wife be afraid of? Well, for all of us, Abraham is a great example of faith, but he was not a very good example of a husband, was he? For we read in Genesis 12 and 20 that not once but twice Abraham told Sarah, we're going to pretend you're my sister. Not for your benefit, but for mine. Because he was scared for his life. He didn't worry that Sarah may end up committing adultery, that she might end up getting kidnapped or murdered or even worse, punished by God. He was thinking about himself. So I think Sarah had plenty to be afraid of. And yet she didn't. She submitted and she obeyed. How did she do this? Verse 5, the holy women who put their hope in God. You see, Sarah was able to submit to and obey her husband without fear because her ultimate hope was in God. Not in comfort or joy, like our journalist. Not in her physical appearance. Not even in her own safety. Sarah put her hope in God. Sarah only had a glimpse of God's plan for salvation and redemption, and yet she put her hope in God. And that's why she's such a great example to Christian wives today. Perhaps your husband is unkind, unloving, lazy, a poor leader, a disinterested father. Maybe he doesn't listen to you or notice your physical and spiritual beauty. Perhaps he's reckless with money and wasteful with time. Fear not, put your hope in God. Put your hope in your true husband, Christ. Earlier we read from Ephesians 5, And it describes Jesus as the groom and the church as his bride. You see, our human marriages are only to be a pale imitation of the one true ultimate marriage, which is to come. Turn with me to the book of Revelation at the end of your Bible, as we read some verses together. Revelation chapter 19. I'm gonna read verses six to nine. for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Jesus is preparing his bride right now for that one ultimate marriage. One day soon, we will be there for that marriage supper and we'll not just be there, we will be in the marriage supper because we are the bride. You can put your hope in God this evening, even if your marriage is full of suffering and pain because you're looking forward to the permanent marriage to Jesus Christ, your true husband. Now, I want to note at this point that this is not to condone abusive marriages or to tell you that you must remain with a husband who abuses you simply because your hope's in Christ. At the time of Peter's letter, women were treated like second-class citizens and they didn't have the protection of the law. That was not a good thing. And God's word did not teach that it was a good thing. But in 2023, we are blessed to live in a society where women are protected under law, or at least they should be. So if your husband is abusing you physically, emotionally, or spiritually, seek help. Go to your elders, go to the police. The governing authorities and the law enforcers that God's placed over us are his sword for this time. Punishment will come from God, eternally. But for now, please do not stay in that abusive marriage. Please seek help. But however, for those of you that are not in abusive marriages, for those of you who are in marriages that are just difficult, that are just painful, that are just hard, don't give up. Don't walk away like that journalist at the start. Your holy conduct in the midst of suffering in a difficult marriage brings glory to God. Put your hope in your true husband, Christ. Finally, I wonder if you've been wondering tonight, why is so much of this directed to women and wives? When are we getting to the men? This isn't fair. Well, our final point this evening is understanding husbands honor their wives. The reason why most of this passage has been directed at women is because, as I mentioned earlier on, this passage is directed to groups that were at threat of suffering. And back then, and and back and now as well, wives are more likely to suffer at their hands of husbands than husbands are to suffer at the hands of wives. There is much teaching elsewhere in the Bible. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 are good places to start on how husbands should conduct themselves. But the very fact that there's some teaching here in 1 Peter is telling because there's no commands given to ruling authorities. There's no commands given to slave owners, to masters, just husbands. And so Peter tells husbands to live with their wives in an understanding way. And literally that means according to knowledge. So according to knowledge of what? Well, firstly, the knowledge that women are weaker than men. Peter commands husbands to honor their wives as the weaker vessel. But what does that mean? I feel like that's one of those weird biblical phrases that you hear well what it can't mean is that women are spiritually weaker because we're about to read in a moment that wives are co-heirs of salvation so it can't be anything to do with being spiritually weaker we read in scripture in genesis back again in genesis and creation that god created man in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them. Women are created in the image of God, just as men, just as much as men are. Some argue that Peter is maybe referring that to women being emotionally or mentally weaker. And after all, it's, it's generally regarded that women are more emotional than men, that they're more likely to cry or to share their emotions. But is that actually a sign of weakness? It could be argued that men are weaker when they struggle with their emotions, that they can't display them, they can't talk about them. Women often display great mental strength, refusing to give in to pressure. So no, no, what, what Peter's talking about here when he says that women are weaker is that they're physically weaker because men are normally physically stronger than their women. Men can make their wives submit to them by pure, sheer brute force. Husbands were able to dominate them. And that would have been seen as culturally acceptable. Secondly, men should live according to the knowledge that while they're stronger than their wives, their wives are co of the grace of life. Verse seven, see the knowledge that women are just as valuable and just as precious to God should shape the way that husbands treat their wives. They're not second class citizens and so they shouldn't be treated so. Rather men show honor to your wives. How do we do that? How do we show honor to our wives? Well, we read in Ephesians 5.22 that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So husbands, you should demonstrate sacrificial love. And i ask you tonight, husbands, what are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of your wife? Are you willing to sacrifice your time, your hobbies, your money? Your comfort, your joy and comfort for the sake of your wife. This is a great and weighty responsibility. In verse 33 of that same letter, Paul tells husbands to love his wives as himself. And I'll ask you again, husbands do you love your wife as much as you love yourself? Do you put your wife first or do you put yourself first? We're not called to make our wives submit. That commands not for us that commands for the wife what we're called to do is to honor our wives to love sacrificially so ask yourself tonight are you obeying god is your conduct in marriage bringing glory to god and what is the result of a husband who honors his wife and lives with her in an understanding way in verse seven we read his prayers may not be hindered and i wonder what you thought of that first it seems like a strange one God not gonna to listen to my prayers? Well, if you read on a little bit, then it'll be in our next, uh, series, our next part of the series, verse 12, Peter quoting Psalm 34 writes this, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And that's likely what Peter has in mind when he writes this. Disobedient husbands, you shouldn't expect God to listen to your prayer. How can we expect God's blessing and help when we are dishonoring a co-heir of salvation created in his image? We don't bring glory to God when we treat our wives badly. We bring glory to God when we treat our wives with respect and honor and sacrificial love. We must obey God's command to honor our wives because holy conduct in marriage brings glory to God. As we finish, That journalist again, where we started, what's the point of marriage in our modern world other than to bring us comfort and joy? Well, I'll tell you what the point is. God's word teaches that the point of marriage is to display holy conduct, which brings glory to God. How do we display such conduct when our imperfect marriages are so often arenas of pain and suffering? We do it by putting our hope in God, by putting our hope in our true husband, Christ. And when we do live in submission to Christ, we do experience comfort and joy. So maybe marriage, godly marriage, does lead to comfort and joy after all. But more importantly, the point of marriage is to bring glory to God by keeping our conduct honourable among the Gentiles so that they may see our good deeds and glorify God. Amen. we're going to finish this evening Uh, by singing once more he will hold me fast we'll stand to sing